I love that. What was your last line? Our sins are something about God's grace. That's it. Our sins will never be greater than God's grace. Yep. His ability to forgive is greater than my ability to sin. That's, that's good news. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> I, I, love, uh, I love seeing God work in people's hearts and lives, and it's just a lot of fun to watch changes happen. And um, Our youth ministry has really had a very powerful effect in the hearts and lives of a number of young people. Ashley is just a, you know, just one among many. So thank God for that. I just want to explain why I'm walking around on crutches and why I'm wearing socks so that I don't have 200 people asking me the same question after the service. So Friday night I was in the north end of Hartford sharing Jesus, you know, with some crack addicts and stuff, and this gang came up in the dark and they came after me in the back. And, and it's a good thing I know Kung Fu because I turned around and I took care of them all. And I got out of it with just a broken, and I knocked a crossover. I got out of it with just a broken toe. So it's, you know, it's a good thing. So that's, lesson there is don't mess with Doug Rouse. That's the lesson there. But uh, I wish I could, you're laughing like you don't believe that story. I don't know why. Man, I don't know whether to be hurt. No, the truth is I fell down the stairs. So that's it. It's not very cool, but I did. And that's it. And I hurt my toe. And my wife says, you need to go, to the, you need to go get an x-ray. And I'm like, that's for girls. I'm not getting no x-ray. Why, why would you get an x-ray if it's broken? The doctor says stay off of it. So you just stay off of it. Anyway, so that's, that's the story. That's the real story. This morning, <laughs> this morning... Huh? Yeah, it's the real story. So, um, well, it'll be better. It'll pass. I have nine others. It's a good thing. This morning, we're going to look at John chapter 20 as we celebrate Easter. And, I, you know, I, I love new things. Karis and I only, uh, only have ever bought one new car in our whole adult lives. And I, I don't know if you've ever, some of you get them all, all the time, but we've only ever gotten one. And I remember the feeling of that first, like, the first time the odometer, when it hit 100, that was a lot of fun. And then and it had that new car smell for a while, and it just was kind of cool to drive around in a brand, it was a Toyota Yaris, it really wasn't anything fancy, but it was still brand new. There's something fun about brand new, right? There's just something fun about it. And then it gets the first ding and, you know, it goes on. But brand new. John chapter 20. It, it, we get the story here of the brand new. Jesus is literally risen from the dead, possibly even minutes. At the very most, a couple of hours, right? I mean, you, you this is... Fresh, 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 brand new. And we come to John chapter 20, and there's just a, there are a few things. I'd like to read it for us and then comment on it, and I think that you'll be encouraged today. And like I said, we're going to end our service this morning with cardboard testimonies, and I'm really excited about seeing your cardboard testimonies. 
Friday night at our Good Friday service, we celebrated the fact that Jesus finished his work on the cross. It's completed. It's done. And then now this morning, it has begun a new life, right? And so um, we're going to do the cardboard testimonies to illustrate what was and what is. And I love seeing those. And so we're going to look at John 20 to set that up. John 20, verse 1. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. This other disciple that we read about is actually John. It's one of the ways that ancient writers would refer to themselves in an account without actually referring to themselves. So John is speaking of himself when he says the other disciple. And uh, apparently John's faster than Peter. So he reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. Now, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. This uh, cloth in verse 7 is a curious thing to me. Some texts say that the cloth was folded. This one, my, my version, doesn't say that it was folded, but others say that it was actually folded, set separate. And it was the cloth that would have covered Jesus' head as he lay in the tomb. And why would the Bible tell us, take a whole verse to tell us that the cloth was folded? I mean, is Jesus a neat freak? What's the, what's the deal with that? And actually, Jesus was given a very good, a very clear message to his disciples and any first ones who saw that in the folded cloth. Because you see, in the Passover meal, and remember, this all took place around the time of the Passover, right? Passover was part of the celebration that they were going through, and Jesus was the Passover lamb. But in the Passover feast, when, when the head of the household, the, 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 the patriarch of the household, would, when uh, he kept his napkin on his lap, it said that I'm still eating, I'm not done yet. And uh, if he needed to get up from the table, when he was all done eating, he would take the napkin and he would put it on the table. And then he would leave, and that would be the cue that the servant would know to come in and begin to clean up the table, right? But if the head of the household were to take the napkin and, you know, let's say he needed to use the restroom or something like that. He wasn't done eating, but he needed to excuse himself from the table. He would take the napkin, and he would fold it neatly and put it on the plate, and that would let the servant know, yeah, I'm not done yet. I'm just excusing myself for a moment, but I am coming back. So do you get that? Jesus took the cloth and he folded it up 
And he goes, you know, this, this, this is done, but I'm coming back. So keep your eye out, guys. Keep on the lookout. I'm coming back. And the disciples saw this, and they're amazed by this, and, but they're still confused. Verse 10 tells us they, they don't get it, and they go back home. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. She didn't. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. You can't get any fresher than this, right? So who is the very first person, the very first person to witness Jesus risen from the dead? Mary Magdalene. I think it's very interesting. Notice, not a preacher, not a prophet, not a priest, not a nun. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala. The Bible tells us was a woman who had seven demons that Jesus cast out. She was called a sinner by the religious establishment. They referred to her by her street habits, if you will. She had a reputation. She was a rough kind of lady. Not a church lady so much. Not a clean-cut lady so much, but a rough lady. This is the woman that sees Jesus risen from the dead first. Isn't that interesting? Who were the first to see Jesus when he was born? Shepherds. Shepherds were the bottom of the barrel of society. And who's the first to see Jesus when he's risen from the dead? Someone else from the bottom of the barrel. Do you hear the message, friend? You might think that you're too bad for God. You might think that you've done something that just God can't take care of, that you have to clean something up first, that you've just made too many mistakes, or that, you know, you have to fix this and that before I can come to God. But what you don't realize is this. You need to know Jesus is the soap. You know, you don't stand outside of your shower to get clean before you take a shower, right? You take a shower to get clean, <laughs> right? Get it? Jesus is the shower. You don't, you don't clean up to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus to get cleaned up. That's how it works. 
And Mary stands as a testimony for all time to anyone. If Mary can get in, friends, you can get in. That's the message. It's beautiful. And then what Jesus says to Mary is really cool. Jesus says this, Do not hold on to me, verse 17, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. I'm still not exactly sure what he meant by that. I'll be honest with you. I've been meditating on that a lot, just trying to figure out why, why, why? Because he he turns around a little while later and he tells Thomas, hey, go ahead and touch the holes in my hands and see the side. Go ahead, touch. He walks through walls. He eats fish. He's, you know, so... uh, I don't understand. He spends 40 days walking on the earth, the Bible tells. 40 days between now and when he actually ascended to heaven. And, you know, so I don't quite understand why he didn't want Mary to hang on to him. I don't know what he means by don't hold on to me for I've not yet ascended to the Father. I'm not quite sure. Maybe some of you theologians already know. You're ahead of me. My guess is... a. I have a, maybe a, a guess. My guess is that Jesus, at this point, was bearing the sin of the world before the Father, right? I think of Jesus as sort of like a dump truck, if you will. You know, the Bible tells us that when he hung on the cross, he bore, he became sin. He who knew no sin became sin, so that you and I could become the righteousness of God, right? So, so when Jesus hung on the cross, God literally, like every sin ever committed by humanity or that ever would be committed in that time got placed on Jesus, right? So I, he's kind of humanity's dump truck in a sense. I mean, all the, of the garbage got placed on him. And I, I wonder if Jesus was... There was one more piece, you know, he had to carry that, if you will, before the judge of the universe and have it dealt with. And then, okay, now I'm free to, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, you could argue with me on that one. I've read books and everybody has a different opinion about it. But what he says to her next is really cool. This I'm positive of. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Did you hear that? I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. My Father, your Father. My God, your God. You hear that? It's the sound of you losing your religion. Religion never lets you call the God of the universe Father. He's not your daddy. He's God. Don't you ever forget that. Right? In the Old Testament, nobody prior to Jesus, nobody could call God Father. In fact, in John chapter 10, um, we read this. Jesus Jesus got in trouble for calling God his Father. In John 5, rather, John 5, 18... It says, for this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. You get it? I mean, like, he got in trouble 
comfort calling God Father. Because you just don't do that. That's just not how it works. And yet here, Jesus now dying on the cross, laying in the tomb, defeating death in the grave, is now able to say to you and to me, first to Mary and then to anyone else just like Mary, look it, I'm going to my father and your father. You know, we, uh, we know the Lord's Prayer. You're familiar with that. Our Catholic friends call it the Our Father. It starts with, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be... Stop. Did you get that? Jesus says, here, let me teach you how to pray. Our Father. Did you hear that? Jesus puts himself on the same level as you. He says, why don't we go pray to our Father? Call him Dad. Isn't that cool? So if... You call God Father, that means you can call Jesus brother. And I'm not making that up because that's in Hebrews chapter 2 where actually he is actually called our big brother. And he's proud to call you his sister or his brother. So Jesus conquered death in order to open up the way so that someone like Mary Magdalene and someone like Doug Rouse and someone like you could actually call God Father so that you could actually have a, an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. So what has begun, what has begun on Easter Sunday? A relationship, a family. Call God Father, Father. Whew. I think it's, Remarkable that Jesus would actually do that for you and for me. I have to admit, I'm still, I've been walking with Jesus for 35 years, and I'm still stunned by the idea that I can call Jesus my big brother. I'm still amazed that the God of the universe, I can look up at the stars in the sky and I can say, my dad made those. And, and I can marvel at the, at the mountains and the streams and the ocean and I can go, my dad made that. You know? I mean, that's, it still stuns me. And I still, when I go to prayer, I sometimes find it really awkward to even say, um, Dad, I'm coming to talk to you today because, right? Do you find that awkward? Man, let's lose that religion. Because Jesus died to break that barrier. Jesus died to break that barrier so that you could call God Lord, I'm so thankful for the privilege that's mine to be yours. I'm so grateful, Jesus, that you, that you took death and you defeated it and you rendered it powerless. And that, Jesus, you, you in doing that, you 
broke every chain that bound me and bound us. And that, Jesus, you made it possible for us to be free. You made it possible for us, Jesus, to actually have a relationship with God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, today I say to you, yes. If that's what you want to have with me, then that's what I want to have with you. I'm honored to be called your younger brother. I'm honored to be able to call God my father and to be a part of your magnificent family. Thank you, Jesus, for making this possible. In your holy name we pray, amen. That's easy.